Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 248. And today's episode is going to be a training-related one, and specifically for people who compete in run hunt tests. It can be a conventional retriever hunt test, or it could be the, the pointing lab hunt tests, which are similar except for the upland aspect of them. But that's what it's going to be about. But uh, this past weekend, I had the privilege and pleasure of uh, going to Michigan and judging a test there. I've never judged uh, or run a dog up there. And so it was a first for me. And, and it was beautiful, beautiful grounds. You know, just everything was really nice. The hunt test put on well. Uh, so it was a very positive experience. And I met some people that I've seen on Facebook a lot. I've seen the names and stuff and the comments and finally got to meet them in person and, and watch their dogs. And I'll have to say this. I don't know if anybody's interested in this part of it, but, you know, I used to go occasionally judge, you know, anything that's on the other side of the Mississippi is back east to us out here. <laughs> but anything out that direction used to go. And there might be one or two dogs that were okay and the rest were not and I would say now it's pretty much they're all okay. <laughs> it's just a matter of how much training or experience they have. So the dogs are good. The, the people are good. It's just, it's what a long ways we have come, you know, and the new people just have no idea what it used to be like. But it's just so fun to watch dog after dog after dog be a real legitimate pointer and a, and a real good retriever and well-trained. It was just, I enjoyed it a whole lot. So thanks everybody for that stuff. One of the things though, like always, when I'm watching all of that, is that I, I you know, I'm just, I watch every dog, right? Because I judged all of the master for two days and the advanced for two days. Didn't get to do the certified, but you know, there's too many dogs there, not enough time. Uh, and I and watching dog after dog and handler after handler and one I'm gonna say the dogs breeding wise I mean, folks you're getting it done because they were real pointers and they were you know they it was just fun and real good retrievers matter of fact really good <laughs> at everything and so and I watched a lot of stuff and to a few people I would make some comments and I don't someday I will learn not to do that you know nobody cares just be quiet. Just go judge the dogs and move on to the next thing. But it's so hard because I'm not really a judge uh, by my nature. I am a dog trainer <laughs> and handler. That's what and who I am. And so I'm running every dog that I see. And one of the things that it's the topic I wanted to do on this. Again, I want to say people were good. Dogs were good. I just want to go in there. But it, it, it makes sure that's, that's established. And, and then... So me, being me, the way I look at everything and the way I do all of my clients here in Colorado is, okay, you're very good. Let's make you very, very good. <laughs> and that's the only kind of approach that I know in this stuff. So people that aren't kind of ambitious about improvement, I'm a pain in the neck. So if that's not something that you're into, you know, tune out and <laughs> come back for the next puppy thing or something. But that's what I'm talking about is however, wherever you are, if you're satisfied, um, that's, you know, I, I would suggest consider, 
you know, maybe just stepping it up a notch, unless you don't think that you can. <laughs> but I don't know anybody, anybody who can't step it up a little bit of a notch. You know, I do that even now. All the time I'm going, you know, are you sure you're right about that? Is there something better? And I always watch other people, other good good handlers and stuff. I always just watch and just try to learn everything I can. It's the only way I know how to do this stuff. And so I, I like to impress that on other people. So one of the things that happened this weekend, it happens all the time whenever I talk to people. And I'll make a comment on something. Again, almost all, the vast majority of dogs passed. They did. The only ones that didn't pass were ones that weren't quite ready, but will be. So it wasn't because anybody's dog was terrible or they didn't know, you know, the, it, it was just that. So one of the things that, that I would say, you know, I would say I would make a, a small suggestion and I would hear, oh, no, no, dog never does it in, never does it in training. I don't, I don't do that in training. The dog doesn't do it in training. It's only in hunt tests. Okay, how many times I've heard that? I don't know. <laughs> it, uh, it's beyond my ability to count. You know, they never do that. And so they are assigning causes to the fact that they either train, you know, in little groups or in not a group at all, but all by themselves. And that's why this happened. Um, that's one of the things. Then I hear that it's because they don't have the collar on, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's the purpose of testing. Your dog has to just do this stuff, not because you're in a position to make them. I hear that one quite a bit. And then the other one is just the complete mystery. I don't, it, it never does that in training, only only does this here. Or even if it's not a failure thing, it's just a, a, a little bit of a weakness thing. It's always, it's always that and I am positive that, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know if I did that early on or not. It's been too long for me to even really know that. But I, I will say this. I don't, you won't hear that at, really in my training group. Maybe they're afraid. <laughs> Maybe that's it. But you won't hear that in the training group because, and forgive me, everybody, that's just an excuse. There, That is just an excuse because, There are many people who train by themselves who can go to a hunt test and have a dog carry out the same standard of performance that they do in, in uh, training. There are many people who never get to train in large groups and can go to a hunt test with all the vehicles and all the hoopla and all the stuff and have their dog still carry out their performance. So the bigger question I would want people to pose to themselves in that situation isn't and again how many times I've heard you know it's like we need to train in a larger group you need to get in a bigger group that's your problem and and some I am sure somewhere out there sometime that is an issue probably more of an issue for the person than it is the dog but we'll just call it the dog right and the the, the question is okay if my dog's performance is different in a hot test a little bit, even if it's just a little bit, then what can I do to change that? And again, you can go change in a larger group if you want, but what you're, what you're putting into that dog's head, you're still going to do it. You're going to just do it in a larger group because in my experience, what I have found 
in in the training is when you're training, particularly if you're by yourself, right? If you're by yourself, there's no one sitting there going, why'd you do that? And you might not even, you know, if you ever filmed yourself, had someone film you while you're running a dog, handling on a set of multiple marks, running blinds or something, just stuff up on the line, just stuff getting to the line, you have no idea how, what some of the things you do are. Because your mind is on the task at hand. Okay, I got this. I got all three of my wingers out there. And so we're going to try this particular setup. And I've got and your mind is on that, not on the mechanics of what's happening between you and the dog right now. And where the dog, what the dog is thinking, what their head is as they go to the line. And now when you're at a test, your mind is very much on that, right? It's like, oh, I'm under judgment from the holding blind to the line, so I better be. I, and, and all of a sudden, you're. this is different, folks. It's different. In training, if you virtually never do that, then suddenly when you're doing it, it's a different thing. And your dog knows it's a different thing. And you're blaming it on the fact that, that there's a lot of people in here at a hunt test when it's really you've changed because you're now at a hunt test and not training. Therefore, your dog reflects that. 100% of the time. So, it, and then the other thing is, and I, you hear this a whole lot, you know, let's say a dog is uh, slipping whistles or, or sitting slowly or not really responding to the cast the way that you do in training. Whatever they do in a test, if they're doing any of that, it's because they believe they can. It's not because they're dirt balls and they know that they've, You've paid money and driven a long way, so they're just going to make you look bad. That's not really a thing that they do. If they do some things like that, if they um, you know, aren't casting the way you want, it isn't because they're at a hot test. It's because they think they can. And there's something that's happened in your training where that happens. If you're out training by yourself and you got your three wingers out, you got a double line set up the middle of stuff, you know, and you're running the blind, and then you remember you need to get home to pick up the kids by such and such a deal. So let's say, and your mind is over there, and you're running this stuff. You might have a few whistles that were slow or slipped, or you had to go give a cast a couple times, or just some. You're not even aware of it. You're just you're doing the stuff you have to do, and you just open this little opening for a looser behavior out there, and. If you were a, in, when you train professionally, okay, well, let's say you're a very, very good professional trainer because a lot of trainers, same way as you, they're out there, I got to get going, I got four more dogs to go, and their mind's not on stuff, and they get loose. For the highly successful people, that's not an option. Being loose is not an option. As a matter of fact, Generally, what you do, based on the dog, if you got kind of a high roller, you know, dog that's that's a handful, not only are you insistent on a certain level of performance, you're probably assistant beyond what is required. And that's the part that's hard for a lot of people to get uh, until you're doing it for a living and you have to do it right. Not only do you just sort of hit the standard, you exceed the standard in training. 100% of the time. And when you do that, that becomes the way the dog is. 
So again, people are happy if yeah, that's good. Yeah, we look at we did that lamb blind. Yeah, it just galloped a little bit, but hey, it's pretty good. Versus somebody who's going, man, I'm going to address this right now. This is not okay. I'm going to find out what I did. I'm going to fix this situation. I'm not going to let this is not my standard. More that's the key. That's the key. So when you're all happy with what they're doing, then you have to make sure that that maybe if they're just doing everything set us find where they begin to uh not meet the standard and then train there if you just go and set up straightforward stuff that you know how to do and easy stuff and the dog does it all the time that's a not a good position to be in not at all you need to go out there if they do that great let's let's make uh, increase the level of difficulty in one factor or so until the dog, you know the dog is going to be not quite sure what to do. Okay, now you don't go punish them. You teach. You show them. This is what the standard is. This is what you do. When you train like that 100% of the time, not looking to be satisfied, but looking to find the weak spots and then going after them and never dropping your standard. Now, people understand that doesn't mean get that collar on, turned on, and every time they do something wrong, you get them. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's, there's standards you have to have. One, the dog needs to sit still, correct? And the dog needs to focus. And then the dog needs to give you its best effort. Its best effort might not be super fantastic. And so when the dog is doing its best and trying really hard, you do not go and correct at that time. Now, if the dog is really fantastic and really talented, then, you know, again, up the standard. It's not how much pressure you put on to, to get after them. It's how much you understand where they are, what their level of effort is, and then t teaching at that level and then moving on past it. And always keeping your standard where you can. It really is that simple. Now, is that easy? No. And are you going to be a little bit of a pain in the neck? Yeah. You know, people that train with me, when they're, we're out having, it's a fun day, we're doing setting up the last series, and they get a little sloppy on a blind, and I walk over there and say, are you kind of relaxed? Already having a beer here? You know, and then people don't like that. But the reason is because, okay, you just opened this window to sloppiness. You know where it's going to come out, don't you? After you pay an entry and drive a long way and go, oh, they never does that in training. Yeah, they do. It's just that you're in the same boat as the dog, kind of loose and sloppy, and you don't notice. So to train really well takes that level of effort. Now, I'm going to take it another step. Another thing that I noticed a lot of, now this is personal preference. I'm not telling anyone that you need to do what I think you need to do. But I'm just going to note something. Something that I saw a lot of compared to what I see around here most of the time. What I saw is a lot of instruction and direction to the dog while they're running. Now, if somebody likes that and that's what they want to do, then by all means do it. You know, if you do that and you're running the Master National or you got a field champion or you're at the Grand and you pass and all that stuff, I'm just do what you do. But I'm just going to throw this out, food for thought, with people. So I watch dogs be healed to the line with the word heal five, six times, even three or four times. Now, I understand, you know, you get somebody's all excited. That, that can be, a, and we had a walk up. So, yeah, I get that a little bit. 
and then they have them sit and then they have them move and then they're not right so they move them back over the other way and then they have the heel back thing that's not something I've heard a lot of you know what heel back that means you're too far forward so I guess back up and then you're so move over to the right so we got all of this directional stuff going on it, there, I can see the bubble over the handler's head, and then I can see the bubble over the dog's head, which is basically fuzz. <laughs> the, the handler's going, okay, got to move them over here. They got That's the memory bird. I got to make sure it's hard, so they got to see that. And they, they're thinking all this, and the dog's just get blah, 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 and they're moving around and stuff, and they're like, come on, man, let's go. I want to get this stuff. Their mind is not on the intense focus that I would want going up there. And then they give them the command to look out, and again, you guys, that's fine. If you do that, do it. But I'm like, do you really need to tell them that they got to look out? Don't they know? Especially at this level. I have never. I'm going to tell you, even in field trials, I never said mark. It's like they know what they're doing. I'm not going to talk just to talk. So they're going to walk up and sit down and, and train well, right? They're going to be looking for holding blinds or gunners or some sign of action, right? They're looking out there. When you talk and say things, no matter what, even though they're responding to you, you have pulled some attention back to you and off of this stuff out there. For me, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. They should come up, right? They should sit square with you, whatever direction that is, right off. That's just basic obedience. And then they should be looking out there. And they know whichever way they're facing, generally, is probably where they're going, right? So we're going to be watching all that stuff. If you have to tell them that, find out if you really do. You know, I've never, I've never had a dog I had to tell any of that to. You know, we train a lot. We do stuff. They know walk up, sit square, look out. Not that they're all perfect like that, but that's what they know, and I don't have to talk. I will say sit. That means we're done. <laughs> Just you're, Now don't move again. And then they do the looking out. And you can use your body if you need to, you know, to step forward to push the energy so they know they got to look to the left or step back so they know they got to look to the right. But none of that, you can instruct them. Or you can just let them do their job. And that's a choice that people make. But the more talk and the more noise you make, the, more, the less they are focused intensely out there where they need to be because they've got to listen to you and think about what that means. And then if you say it three times, it's like, oh, really, really means it. And you got this big, fuzzy, foggy, smoky kind of thing going on when you can just teach them to come up, sit down, and start looking out. And, and then, okay, and I'm going to get it, I, I'm coming back. At, we're at the master level now, right? Not the little knuckleheads. At the master level, they know to come back, right? They, I'm going to guess at this level, at least in my experience, that they know to come in and heal and square up with you, right? But I probably heard, hear, hear, heal, sit, uh, whatever the stuff people say, maybe a dozen words. Uh, and that poor dog, I don't, did, did you guys ever think about if that was you? Let's just say that I was coming to work with you today, and I was going, I don't want that. I came to work with you today, and I was like, all right now, and I'm going, all right now, make sure you, your dog is healing square. No, that's not square. Is it square? Do you have it square? Get square. Do you know what square is? Square is when, and, and I'm talking and talking, and pretty soon you're starting to get a little bit irritated and annoyed, and you start missing some of what I say because I say so much 
And I guarantee you dogs do that. They do not think the way your head when you're nervous at a hunt test. They don't think that way. Matter of fact, they are, uh, they are trying to focus on the work at hand if you give them the chance. So lots of talking. And it, so people say, well, if I don't do it, they won't do stuff. Then your dog's not trained. You can train your dog to come in, sit down next to you, heel up, hold on to the bird, and <laughs> wait to take it. <laughs> so we got hold and hold and heel and sit and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's like, so you can see that these people have a very good dog and they've worked very hard on, on marked retrieves, right? And handling and stuff like that. But the little details of basic obedience, like heel, sit down, you're done, uh, seem to have been missed. So that you're still fighting that stuff. And that's not really necessary, but that means in training, your emphasis has probably been, like I said earlier, a whole lot more on the marks and handling and going and stopping and doing all that stuff than it is the minutia of the two of you right there at the beginning. But I'll say this, if when your dog comes up and they don't understand that they need to sit squarely first time, that you come up to the line and you're standing facing directly west, that they come up and sit next to you di facing directly west, and then you have to negotiate about that and move them here, and, wow, well, they're too far forward. Now get back. Now move over here. If they're not taking you very seriously or they don't understand with extreme clarity what your expectations are, they are going to go out and run that mark and blind with the la same lack of clarity. If you can't get a dog to scooch over one inch the first time you ask him to do it, how are you going to get him to take every cast you want out on that blind? Because the relationship between you isn't, this is what I'd ask you to do. It, and then they do it. The relationship is, oh, but I'm so excited. I can't really listen until the fourth time or you get really mad or just wear me down until I finally, by default, of moving around so much hit the right situation they're gonna that's where their mind is and when their mind is like that that's the way they are out there too so just something to think about dogs do not have to be told everything if you always do it then I suppose you always have to do it but if you can just teach them to take the responsibility which is what most of my message is through all of this stuff all the time then they come up, sit down, look out. They're sitting the right way. You're not fighting a bunch of other stuff. Same when they come back. When they come back, they know whichever way you're facing, that's where they face. They come in with the bird, sit down. Focus is on the bird, not all the setting it down and repositioning and all that stuff. That's Believe it or not, you guys, that's taught. That's a taught thing. It does not have to happen. But when you let it be kind of loose and sloppy in training, it's going to be really loose and sloppy at the hunt test because you can't enforce anything. And then the last thing on this, since I was at a pointing lab test, that I'll say is one of the things I noticed, and I'm going to preface it with a real short story. This won't be too long. I was training a pointing lab for an English pointer guy in Kentucky. And I ran his dog and got the titles that he wanted on the dog. And he, I remember him saying, why do you guys walk up to her after, you know, she's on point? So I explained to this poor, you know, didn't understand fool, right? 
well, I want to want to make sure she's not going to break and everything's good. You know, you've paid a lot of money for this. I'm going. He said, well, you shouldn't have to. And I thought, oh, that's the ignorant guy. He just doesn't understand this pointing lip thing. And then he took me to his most beautiful place in Kentucky, and got his. He got multiple. He got his Irish uh, English pointers out. They put some. I can't. I think it was Chucker. They put out Chucker. And I sat there and watched that. Those dogs went out there. They went on point, you know, far back. Fairly eh, fairly far. Far back. And he just walked up to wherever the bird was and never said not a word. Never said a word. Shot the bird, said the dog. They did they would they would retrieve. Brought him back. His point was made. So in the training that I've done and worked on since then, and the people that I work with and train with, if, if you ever watch them, when we, when we go out in the upland field with a dog, the dog goes on point. There's no running. Nobody freezes. <laughs> Nobody, they don't freeze like, until <laughs> you get your count. I'll tell you, the pointer guys chuckle at that stuff. The good, really good ones, they chuckle at that. You know, the dog's on point, good. They're not going to be looking around, waiting, hurry up, get over here. You know, they're, they're not being told what to do because they know what to do. And so you can walk up wherever you want to be. Or if you're shooting the bird or you're just walking up and you got a gunner in our competitions, you walk up where you can make sure that you see, you can see where the bird is because usually, and a lot of times they don't know, especially if it's far away, where to go look. You make sure and tell them that. And then they flush and shoot the bird and then you send the dog that's it that's it um yeah can you say well sure make sure they know that usually is for the person to make them feel better hey don't move but what i saw i heard the whoa word i don't know 400 times this weekend <laughs> it's like if you don't say it are they gonna move do you need to constantly remind them what to do uh, that's in the pointer world that's an untrained dog um, and you know, now on young guys, I would say you have to either, if they're woe broke, if you have to say it a bunch of times, they're not woe broke, they are woe nagged. And so I would just, you know, it, it, if you're happy with what you're doing, then by all means do that. But you know, real pointers don't have to be constantly told what to do. Just like on the line on a retriever stuff or on a blind or whatever, you don't have to tell them every minute. And people seem to feel far more comfortable or else they've just taught the dog. I am going to be talking all the time and you need to be listening all the time. And I'll just say, guys, I'm sorry, but on the pointing laps, that is not necessary. Teach those dogs that when they go on point, unless the bird relocates to a place where they need to relocate, which they do figure that out on their own, you're done. And I don't have to constantly be telling you. Uh, to me, that's the same as if you're running a blind retrieve and you blow the sit whistle out there and then you yell sit and then you blow the sit whistle again and you keep blowing it until you cast so they know they have to stay seated. We don't do that, do we? Same thing in the upland field. That dog should go on point. You don't have to run up there next to him other than to help locate the bird or make, you know, if it's at right under him because they crosswinded it right on top of it, then yeah, make sure you manage that situation. But you shouldn't have to run up every time and constantly, constantly be telling them what to do. 
Um, and they should know that when a bird flushes and a gun goes off at the master level, not the, the knuckleheads, it takes a while to get there. They need to stay there. So, and I'll tell you, when you judge the, uh, which I've judged the, the two uh, triple crowns we've had so far, those hummers are like that. <laughs> it is beautiful. Nobody's running. <laughs> Nobody's screaming, whoa, 50 times or twice. Um, matter of fact, most people those don't say anything. The dogs understand their job and they do it. And it is so cool to watch. And I'd bring any English pointer guy in there and say, hey, watch this. So I'll just throw that out for those of you that are going high end on this stuff. Again, do whatever, do whatever. You know, if your dog remains in place, no one's judging how many times you say, whoa, that's not under judgment. But it also isn't necessary. Now this is the dog trainer part of me right here. You don't have to do that. Teach them when you go on point, you're done. And make sure, and that isn't, that isn't taught by saying whoa 50 times and pretty soon they'll learn. That's taught by letting them make some mistakes and suffer a reasonable consequence, however it is you train that stuff. So it's like, man, you know what you got to do. Now you have to do it. And if your training is that way, just like walk to the line and sit down. See if you can do it with one word. And when your dog goes on point, let them, you know, make sure they learn that they're going to stay there with a, without you talking. So I would just say that's a, and that goes for every, and that goes for people here. That's everywhere. And I, it just isn't necessary. So the dogs have gotten so, so much better, folks. And the handlers and everybody is so much better. So let's just take it one step further if people are interested in doing it like they were authentic pointers that could go anywhere with anybody and you don't have to go tell them what to do or remind them because they know their job. Because the, the dogs I've seen, the caliber of these dogs, totally capable of doing that. And it's just really fun to hunt with a dog where you don't have to tell them anything to do at all other than when to go get the bird. So that's this week's um, very busy time right now. And, uh, uh, you know, there's lots of dogs qualifying for the Triple Crown. I hope to goodness people that are do that go to that thing. I'm telling you, it's one of the most enjoyable. Make sure you're ready. You know, it's not like you can't kind of wing it over there. They, but it has to be, you know, the legitimate thing. But that's all I'm seeing anymore, these really good, really good dogs. So if I could get people to relax a little bit, learn to let go of the reins, guys. Teach your dog to do it on their own. And, uh, man, once you do that, you'll never go back to that constant talking and telling them everything to do and above all my message to everybody all the time for all of time is get your basic obedience done really well have the dog come up and sit down first time right and bring the bird in sit down next to you hand it to you so you don't have to constantly remind them constantly what it is they're supposed to be doing so that's this week's um, just congratulations to how well everybody in the pointing lab world is doing. But all this stuff goes for a regular hunt test. You're going to go run a senior hunter or master hunter or finish started, all that kind of stuff. You know, simplify. Allow your dog to focus on the work, not on all your 10 zillion instructions. That's it. I hope everybody's doing well. Stay safe and healthy. And uh, I'll be back soon. <laughs>